Welcome to another episode of Built on Passion. I'm Drew, and today we're talking to Jacob Lubbers, founder of Full Bore Barbecue. Hey, Jacob, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Tell us about Full Bore Barbecue. Full Bore Barbecue is uh, it's my, my humble little company with our, our barbecue sauces and rubs, uh, just kind of out there trying to make it amongst a lot of big names uh, and make one for ourselves. So yeah, we, uh, it's, re- it's really just me that runs the company myself, and uh, we're really trying to grow the e-commerce side of things in, in several stores and looking to grow. Awesome. Well, tell me a little bit about your background and why you decided to start Full Bore. The best place to start there is actually, I, I guess, probably well before uh, Full Bore Barbecue started. I grew up in one of the world's smallest towns, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, I think there's literally still less than 300 people there in southern Indiana. And so there wasn't a lot to do. Grew up on a farm there. And you don't know this about me if you're listening, but uh, I am six foot eight. So what you do in that situation uh, in Indiana, especially, is uh, you play basketball and you play a lot of it. So uh, that's what I did. And there are debates uh, with my friends and I about how good uh, I was, but uh, I-, I was good enough to attract a little bit of attention um, and play pretty competitively. Definitely had a- attracted some some college coaching attention and-, and some different things like that was on the way to uh, some bigger things, uh, I guess you would say, when I had some heart problems, which uh, was not uh, not in the plans at all and uh, not not super fun. But forced me to, to stop playing competitively. Health-wise, I'm more than fine. Uh, literally played this morning, <laughs> but was not allowed to play, quote, uh, varsity sports anymore, uh, according to the doctors uh, for liability issues and things like that. So that uh, really was quite a damper on things and, and really killed my competitive nature, my competitive vibe. I'm a, a pretty competitive person. I, you know, I want to win at literally everything if we're playing darts or whatever. Like I want to win. So kind of lost that for several years after, after that happened and, and didn't really have an outlet for that sort of thing. It's hard to, after, you know, organize sports um, to, uh, to, to find an outlet for that. So there was this barbecue competition that growing up, my friends and I always went to. It's in Ferdinand, Indiana. It's called the Heimafest. All the little towns in Southern Indiana, everyone's German there. So all these fests have goofy little names like the Strassenfest and the Heimafest, right? So um, some of them have barbecue competitions. This one did. We always went to it growing up. Uh, you know, there's usually about 20 teams or so. You buy a little button and you can walk around and eat all the barbecue you want, uh, vote for your favorite teams, that, that sort of thing. And it was really cool. So it was right after college, my friends and I decided that we were going to go and eat a little barbecue, uh, probably hit up the beer garden. Um, and so we show up. And there's only three teams competing. So not a lot of barbecue to eat, right? We really hated to see that. If you know anybody from a small town, there's usually a lot of hometown pride. Uh, there's no, no different for us. Uh, we, we're all, uh, you know, like to see our little town succeed, right? And that was one of the things that made it unique. So we kind of decided right then and there that the best way to ensure there was more teams doing it was starting one ourselves, first of all. So a few of my friends and I didn't really know anything about this sort of stuff and uh, just decided we're going to do it, right? We had a year to, to kind of think about it. And we started talking to some other people our age, some people that had stopped doing it, that trying to build, the, build it back up. And we did. The next year, uh, we 
had six teams enter, which uh, my math tells me is 100% year-over-year growth. So <laughs> we nailed it there. But it, it's grown a lot since then. But that, that first year we competed, it was just six teams. And we didn't really have expectations. Our only goal was to get our meat turned in on time, <laughs> right? So, but while we're doing it, you know, that was the first time since playing organized sports that I really got that competitive vibe back, you know, uh, especially when I didn't know it was going to be that kind of vibe, but some of the other uh, teams started talking a little shit, which I love. And uh, we, uh, you know, <laughs> got, got, got a little jawing back and forth. So um, really got uh, to, to let that competitiveness out. Again, no expectations. Judging comes around. And the first thing they're announcing is chicken, uh, which is, you know, the first meat you turn in. And they're, you know, saying third place, whoever, second place, whoever, and they get to first place. And we're at this thing pretty much to give the teams that are going to win moral support. We're like, you know, <laughs> we're just there to drink some beer. <laughs> but uh, that first category, like I said, was chicken and we won. So we were pretty ecstatic. I think it was like before we even went up and got the award, um, we were all pretty much hooked on it and decided we were going to do some more of these things. But we, we won that. Uh, we got second or third in pork butt. I can't really remember what. And then placed overall, actually. So we got like third overall. And we were uh, out of six, you know, whatever. But we still placed. And, and that kind of got those juices flowing. Decided to, uh, to keep it going and, and try some more. So it was from there that we started mixing up a lot of our own spices and seasonings and sauces and stuff and perfecting them from event to event. And then a few years ago, rattled off uh, several wins in a row to finish the summer. And then the last one we did that year was the Kentucky State Barbecue Festival. So lots of pro teams and stuff in that. And Danville, Kentucky, it's at this uh, distillery. And I still remember the guy next to us. Uh, you know, this is where if you've ever seen these things on TV or anything, people are showing up with these huge rigs and, you know, spend all this money. Uh, on all these grills and everything. And uh, we show up literally with uh, one pickup truck and my little work car at the time, which is like a Ford Escape and like two grills and some tables and a little tent. And the guy next to us, he had come in from Arkansas and I don't, I don't remember his team name or anything, but he had this huge smoker and he set up this table with all his trophies. And we got out like a Weber kettle grill and we were setting it up and he looked at us and like laughed and said, what are you going to give the judges some pulled hot dogs? And like you said that or whatever. And I'll never forget that. Because <laughs> um, one of the categories was steak. And uh, we turned it in. We actually, we got first overall in the steak category at, at that competition. And we watched him uh, turn his in. Well, first we watched his sm entire smoker like go up in flames. And then watched him very sadly go take his steak over to the table. But uh, anyway, at that particular competition... We won grand champion overall, uh, which was cool. That was uh, the biggest one we had done to date. It was almost felt like the that first competition where it was a different level uh, of competition that we were doing than the ones we had been. So again, we didn't really have expectations and we placed in most things and got first overall. So we were, we were very ecstatic with that. After doing that, decided that there was something to the flavors that we had been putting together and decided to start the company. So uh, it, it was really just, uh, just me as far as the company and getting the labels together and this and that, but it was, 
you know, getting those recipes locked down with with co-packers and different things and all the nutrition labels and and different stuff, which I, I've always uh, for my full time job, I've always worked remote. So it wasn't a huge change when COVID came around. But the change was when I work remote, I'm usually out calling on people and traveling and this and that. And that did change. So there was not a lot of uh, there was a lot of free time, I guess you'd say. And I took that opportunity to uh, really push this forward a lot faster than it would have otherwise. And that's when we we kind of got everything, everything going. So what you're saying is if I buy your rubs that I'm going to have award-winning steaks, you know, there, <laughs> it'll be a good steak. Uh, <laughs> you, you still got to cook it right, but there are, uh, actually, I know several people that use our stuff like in competitions. And, uh, actually I was at a, ace hardware over in hendersonville tennessee here recently and uh they ace hard a lot of ace hardware carry my stuff and they do and they've been selling a ton of it and they they're entering their first competition like the owners of that particular ace uh they're in town and they're using all my stuff so i'm excited to see how they do and it's cool to see people do that but that's awesome the steak though legitimately took three almost four people to, to make it. Uh, there, there's, there's a picture of it on our Instagram somewhere, but it's, uh, it's pretty perfect um, to get the okay. grill right and the temperature right and everything. It, it, it was a, quite a, a adventure. So. A little bit more than a, a couple of sprinkles on each side, I guess. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. So what, what does that process look like then from kind of going from, obviously, you know, you're making, barbecue in these competitions and now you have to create a product that you can sell to a consumer what does that process look like locking in those recipes finding co-packers what does that look like so i guess i didn't know this at the time most people that kind of get into um bottling their stuff i guess probably come from a different world than than i do as far as you know how they came up with it so they uh, usually would have a, a restaurant or something like that and the first thing that that they would do is they mix up their product and they go buy a bunch of bottles and they put it in there and i was like well i'm not going to do that <laughs> so i i have the mix i have the recipes my first goal was get labeling get a co-packer and get this all set up so i can actually do some volume right so uh the first thing i was worried about was the label Luckily, uh, my, my one of my best friends, and uh, he's actually my best man in my wedding coming up here, does design. And uh, I still have it somewhere, but I was at a uh, hotel in Lexington, Kentucky. And, uh, you know, the little notepads they leave on the desks there, I kind of drew out. It literally had like a stick pig on it and kind of like, this is how I want the label to look. And he took that and made it into <laughs> into what they are today, which... I'm a little biased, but I think they look good. And so do a bunch of stores that carry them. So there was that. Um, but then getting the nutrition panels made, you know, you have to pay companies to do that. Getting all the ingredients labels made uh, from, from co-packers, things like that. Those are the first things that I focused on where it seems like most people that that do it, that's the last thing they focus on. They, they put their product they mix in their kitchen in a bottle and then... Uh, you know, when a lot of times when I go into these stores and I'm cold calling them and I'm saying, hey, I got barbecue sauce and this and that. Literally, the first thing they do is they turn the bottle of the sample that I bring in around and make sure it has a UPC and nutrition facts because 90 percent of the people that come in there and try to sell them something like that. don't. So I say I did it backwards, but I think I did it the right way. <laughs> uh, 
actually. The next step, we knew we had a good product, but getting a co-packer to be able to create that product correctly was an ordeal. So uh, I first had uh, a, a group out of Chicago making them and they did a great job. Uh, they didn't do any of the sauces. I had I originally started with three spices, uh, brought a fourth in for them up there too. And they were in glass bottles. And uh, the only reason I went with them because there was no minimums, right? So a lot of these you have to get you know, 200 pounds of spices and 250 gallons of sauces per flavor per run. And I was not prepared to do that. I put in $1,500 and I said, this is all I'm going to put in. It's either going to work or it's not. So that got me 18 cases of each of those three spices at first. And uh, when I knew they were coming, I hopped on the phone, just started calling places I knew of. It was COVID. So you weren't, you weren't, couldn't like go and have a meeting with them. <laughs> so I, I guess that kind of worked out in my favor, but just called a bunch, had it all sold before it got to my garage and already had another order in. Uh, so that was a, a lot of fun to do uh, and just kind of kept steamrolling it from there. But that process of going to the co-packer saying, here's the recipe, they send you a sample saying, that's not right. It needs to be this, needs to be that. Communicating uh, was, you know, a little bit grueling. And then I, decided I wanted to do sauces and I had outgrown that first supplier. I moved everything to where it's currently made in Lewisburg, North Carolina. And uh, they do sauces and spices in this facility. They warehouse a bunch of stuff for me, that type of stuff. And they got some of the recipes, the formulas, like I, I got them from the old co-packer and gave them to them. But still, the when you change the volume that much, it's uh, it's just a different beast. So I had uh, I flew out there and you know sat there and just tried spices all day and it's about you know the smell and the taste and making sure it's all correct and and this and that some of them they nailed some of them took several tries but we got them all where uh where we wanted them so awesome so you basically hit the ground running with wholesale like right out of the gate yeah uh i i don't know i'm not a technological person at all like uh, building a website and all that not so much me (laughs) however I do. I, I did. Like, I just stayed up till 2 a.m. like two or three months in a row and built a website on Shopify. Don't know what I was doing. It would be like, hey, you need to write this code in. And I'd Google like, how the hell do you write that code in? And then <laughs> and then I go do it. But it worked. It wasn't a great website, but it, it did work. We did get some online orders and stuff, especially, you know, building up our social medias and things like that kind of push it out there. But yeah, no, the, the majority, I, I knew. I didn't have enough social media presence at the time, for sure, to support that business. So the main goal uh, was always wholesale and just worked on getting in stores and stores and stores. And uh, it, it grew from there. And it, it it started with stores that I could just deliver to. It's more recently evolving to uh, some drop shipping and different stuff like that. But yeah, wholesale was the the name of the game at the beginning. And uh, now... Now we're kind of going more into e-commerce. So again, a little bit backwards of what most people in this business do. Uh, exactly. It, it, it's very backwards. But I think yeah. that it, it's almost like a more sustainable way of doing it because it, you're solving some of the harder problems up front, it seems like. I, I guess. I just Maybe I just thought about like what is the, what's the most difficult thing to solve and just solve that instead. But um, it's... Uh, yeah, it, it's worked out well where the wholesale has made us uh, enough money to hit the e-commerce game kind of running and, and build up a 
paid a guy to make a website that's actually legit and uh, yeah. you know that type of stuff. So awesome. So what would you say has been the hardest part of starting the business so far? The hardest part of starting the business so far. That is a that's a great question. Man, I, it, it's hard to say. You, you don't know what you don't know. So like, right, like I remember when I started it, I'd been thinking about it for a very, very long time, right? And I was actually watching Shark Tank as many entrepreneurs do. So I was sitting there and somebody was up there. They were explaining like, oh, uh, I haven't done this yet because I didn't have this or you know that or whatever. And I remember Mark Cuban saying like, just do it. Like you don't, like you can't, you're not going to sit there and think of everything. Like you just do it and then the problems will come to you and then you just solve them one at a time. And that's kind of how I've always looked at it. So I haven't had like a huge issue uh, ever, I'd say, but you know, every day there's, there's tiny problems here and there. Uh, you know, one I'm dealing with today is uh, this, uh, I'm being set up as a, a national vendor for Ace Hardware where I can drop ship to like any of the ACE hardwares in the country through their internal billing and stuff like that. So it's a big deal. It's cool. It gets pushed out to all 5,000 of them. That doesn't mean they're all going to pick it up. Of course, you still have to go talk to them, but they can, but they need me to be EDI capable. If we go back, uh, remember me saying that I don't know much about uh, technology and stuff like that. So that has been my hurdle for the day is figuring out what EDI means is how do I get it? How much does it cost? You know, that, that type of stuff. So it's really just one thing at a time. The hardest thing is getting into the bigger retailers, you know, just getting, getting them to give you a shot. We, we've gotten into some food city. If anybody listening is around the food cities, uh, there's 124 of them. That's the biggest one that we're in. Ace Hardware, like I said, they've been a good outlet for us. Uh, we're in 60 or 70 of those, hoping to be in you know, upwards of 1,000 very soon uh, with this new thing. And then uh, actually next month, I got, I've been invited out to Charlotte, North Carolina to pitch the executive team of Lowe's. So they have their, their grilling section. So hopefully that goes well and we can get something going there. But that's definitely the hardest part is just figuring that out. You know, And it's very disheartening whenever... <laughs> you're, you finally get to a buyer and you've been talking to them and explaining your brain. And they're like, have you ever thought about uh, getting a broker? And you're like, well, that just means you haven't just, you haven't been listening to a word I've been saying. So, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, it, it all works out. It's just, you know, try and, and try and try and, uh, and, and go from there. So. Awesome. So where do you see the business heading in the next few years? So right now our business is 90 to 95% wholesale and 5% e-commerce. I'd like to uh, even that out a bit. So there's a, a few things we're doing. Like I said, uh, really trying to build up that social media, have worked on the website, uh, continuous work on that, um, consulting with some people on that, uh, that, that know how to do that, those types of things better than I do. And really just trying to get the name out there that way. And even if, uh, even if the e-commerce doesn't build, we at least want to get that name out there have that website and stuff, that information available for people that do have it at their local stores. The goal is to have, you know, at least one or two of those national partners that that can really, you know, change a business. If you get into a, a Lowe's, uh, an Ace, a Kroger or something like that, it's really uh, it, not just game changing, it's life changing, right? So, you know, right now, this still isn't my full-time gig. Oh, it kind of is. Uh, 
but I do my full-time gig during the day and uh, this till about two or 3 a.m. In, in, in the evening. So it is a full-time job, but I still have another one and I'd, I'd very much like to change that if uh, if we can get one of those national partners. So yeah yeah every uh, every entrepreneur has at least one full-time job yeah uh, right so oftentimes more than one yeah um, that's awesome well um before we wrap things up i want to give you a chance to plug your company and tell everyone how to find you yeah no the the best place to find us our biggest outlet uh, on social media is instagram so uh, we're just at full bore bbq so f-u-l-l bore like a pig bbq hit us up on there uh we love to see uh especially if you've you know cooked something or, or made something with our products we love when people send in pictures if you send in a good one i might even repost it um and uh yeah we'll definitely put it on our stories and stuff like that we love to connect with people that way of course our website fullborebbqproducts.com that's where you can order stuff read our story i write recipes on there um, some different things We've actually put together these really cool things called flavor guides. It'll give you the levels of salt, sweet, savor, heat of, of all the different products, what we think it's good on. I have a list of recipes I've written that use that particular spice or sauce. Um, so that's that's always a cool thing to go see. Um, and yeah, like I said, we're always changing it. I know uh, I'm about to put up a recipe card uh, for Thanksgiving turkey that uh, I've, I've written for a smoked turkey. So definitely go there. Facebook, obviously. We're on all the social media. Some uh, will look like we're maybe not. Our profile does exist on every single one. <laughs> Looking to get the YouTube started here shortly. Um, but Instagram, Facebook, and our website's uh, the best ways to connect with us. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jacob. It was great talking to you today. Yeah, great talking to you. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Built on Passion podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you are still listening right now, you need to leave a review. Like seriously, if you are committed enough to listen to the outro, then you must be a fan and we would love to hear your thoughts. Be sure to share this episode with a friend who's thinking about starting a passion project business. And as always, tune in next week for another episode.